And greetings from Europe. It's Jim, it's Carrie, it's the best trip ever. And we want to tell you about the brief time that we spent in London and at the famous Ritz Hotel London. Yeah, Jim had never been to London. I'd been a couple of times. We figured what better place to spend Thanksgiving week than in London. You know, we've been to a lot of places. We've been to the Maldives. We've been to Dubai. We've been to the South Pacific, Central America, the Caribbean, Australia, all over the world. But for me personally, and I don't know, maybe I'm an idiot, but I always felt like there's a few things that you need to be really considered a world traveler. And London was a big thing. I felt that I needed to check off my list. And now that we've done it, I've checked off the list. I got to tell you, London is so cosmopolitan. I loved it. Yeah, it's one of my favorite cities in the world. I kind of feel like it has the best of everything. Great food, easy accessibility, just a 10-hour nonstop from Seattle for us. Really easy to get around. And I think it's quite affordable considering the exchange rate currently with the U.S. dollar to the pound. Well, a lot of people have asked us on the flight. They say, where did you connect? And the answer is, we didn't. Yeah, we flew the Virgin Atlantic flight nonstop out of Seattle. We left at 6.30 in the evening, I believe, and we woke up the next morning about 11 a.m. in London at Heathrow Airport, breeze through customs, breezing ha-ha because it took us about an hour and a half this time around. Caught a car service into the city, and by lunchtime, early lunch, late, late afternoon, we were able to enjoy tea at the Ritz London. Yeah, that was one of the things, getting back to customs. We got in about 11.30 local time, and it was a fairly long line, but it was moving along at a pretty good clip in customs. And then what we think happened is lunchtime came at noon, and everybody but two agents left and the line slowed way down for about an hour or so, and then everybody came back, and it picked back up. So keep in mind, if you take that flight from Seattle and you get in around 11.30, you could have the same experience. Yeah, and luckily our car service was kind enough to wait for us because most of them won't waste past 90 minutes. And ours, luckily, he knew that he hadn't seen any other travelers coming off our flight yet and held the car service. Otherwise, it would have been a long trip into the city for us. And that's something to keep in mind. If you do have a car service and you are getting in at that time, maybe let them know that there could be delays based on scheduling or or uh, make sure you have the right SIM cards so they can call you. We didn't have that. And plus, we kind of had bad service in the area, bad Wi-Fi service. Service, so they couldn't connect with us to, to make arrangements. Luckily, they, as we mentioned, they waited. But uh, for your purposes, maybe either have the SIM cards, you can call them, or they can call you or, um, you know, have a discussion prior to your arrival. Yeah, overall, it worked out great. So we hopped in a lovely car and headed into the city. It takes about 45 minutes from Heathrow to get to the Green Park, Piccadilly, Kensington neighborhood, where the Ritz London is located. And we had a great driver, Roger, who's, what's the name of the company? Sincerely, Paul. It's my preferred company when using services in London. It's a, how big is the company? It's rather small. It's privately owned by a wonderful man named Paul Pooh. And I've been working with him for many years. He used to be a concierge and decided that with his knowledge, he could start his own company. And he told me a story one time. And I asked him, how'd you get the name Sincerely Paul? And you have to believe he said he was talking to his mother about it. And she said, well, how would you sign a letter? Sincerely Paul. It's a true story. Roger was so friendly, spoke very highly of the company, and obviously I've only used the company once, but you could tell that it's very hands-on. I could tell by the service that it was a smaller company. They spoke very highly, and like I said, our driver, Roger, was so nice. 
what a nice man talking about everything, very jovial, very engaging uh, and informative. Really liked him a lot. Yeah, it was really nice because I've had some drivers in certain cities where they don't talk at all. And this one, he was kind of pointing everything out, which was great, especially for Jim, who'd never been to London. So he didn't know what he was looking at. So he was pointing out highlights, the Victoria and Albert Museum, things about like on the highway. Why was there a red lane? Apparently that was from the Olympics when they were traveling with Olympians and they could drive in that red lane. But now it's just a red lane where the paint is fading. But he was full of great facts. And Roger was obviously very plugged in with a lot of people, very engaged with this community, because as we were driving through one of the more expensive areas of London, he mentioned that he has a good friend who bought three flats years ago for $9 million, and recently he was offered $37 million each for the flats, and he turned them down. So that information like that is always interesting to hear as opposed to, oh, there's Big Ben, there's Parliament, there's the Tower of London. I mean, that's that's some good information right there. And for me, a person who loves hotels, he was also kind of pointing out a lot of the hotels to me because the nice thing with, you know, things like London and Paris and other cities is sometimes you'll come across something that you don't even realize is a hotel because it looks like a townhome or a private apartment building. So for me, I love those geeky bits of information. So we arrived at the Ritz and obviously everybody knows the song, putting on the Ritz, the old one, the less old one, the one from the eighties. And, uh, this is literally The Ritz, the first one. Opened in 1906 by, I believe it was Cesar Ritz. And it was one of the first hotels and first luxury hotels in London. And it is everything that you would expect and more. From the moment we got out of our car, uh, we got a hello, Mr. and Mrs. Valley. Let us take your bags and brought us into your quintessentially British luxury hotel. So Carrie, obviously, she's the travel agent, so she makes all the arrangements. So oftentimes we are Mr. and Mrs. Mullen, which I'm, I don't even correct it. I just, what's the point? It's like, there's no reason. I just smile and nod. Hi, Mr. Mullen. Nice to meet you. And we move on. But I think what happened was the, uh, the bellman who grabbed our bags looked down at my suitcase and saw my bag tag that said Jim Valley. And at that point, for like the first time ever, we were Mr. and Mrs. Valley, which was, which was funny. Yeah, it never happens. I've never changed my name professionally. But we come in and their their doormen look exactly like you would expect. White gloves, top hat. You walk through the beautiful uh, central doors into this gorgeous rotunda and step into the very small reception area. But they are on point with the check-in process. Hi, how was your trip? What can we do for you? And our room wasn't readily available because we were a tiny bit earlier than check-in time. And they immediately brisked us off to the uh, bar and we had a spot of tea in the afternoon yeah they put us in the bar and it was lovely uh, some lovely english tea which uh, i'd been to london i had never been to london as we mentioned i knew of english tea and i knew of tea time but to experience it i'm like we need to bring this more to america i need to take a, like a, an hour or two in the middle of my day and just have a spot of tea well, and I was kind of concerned because I had read and I had been told that being a very traditional uh, dressy hotel, that no trainers or denim, so no jeans and no sneakers were allowed in the Ritz as far as or as far as high tea was concerned and in the bar. And here I had just arrived with a pair of black sneakers on, which is ironic because I never wear sneakers. But they said no problem and they whisked us off to the bar and had us set up with full tea service. And it was everything that you would expect and more. 
uh, mentioning tea service. Uh, the, uh, actually, we, let me back up. Uh, mentioning the dress, they when you just come in, if there's a situation like ours where the room isn't ready, they have some flexibility. So that's nice that they do. I mean, they didn't put us in the high tea area. They did put us in the bar, which makes sense. But if if you just come in and you need to wait for your room and you are wearing denim or trainers, they do. They they're not so rigid. That they're going to like cast you out into the street or something until your room's ready. That's they do have some flexibility there. Yeah, and because I'd even offered to switch shoes, I could have grabbed a pair of boots out of my bag, and they were said, "Oh no, no worries about it." So that was nice. But we sat down in the bar, and they brought us a full tea service on you know silver tray with a silver teapot, gorgeous cinnamon shortbread. Wow, I wish I had the recipe for that. And it was just everything that you would expect. It was just so, as I call it, British and civilized. I should mention that they do have high tea there, the proper tea, which you can book. What a gorgeous setting. And obviously no trainers, no denim in there. And it's just, it it looks like every elegant European uh, Kenneth Branagh movie you could ever imagine. Yeah, that has five seatings a day between 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. It books out two to three months in advance. So don't expect to just show up and attend because it does book far out. This is one place where it is very formal. Men must be in a jacket and a tie, and there are no substitutions. No denim, no trainers. So no no sneakers, no jeans. So if you're planning on going to high tea at the Ritz, which is quintessentially British, please dress for the occasion or you will be turned away. If for some reason you get there and realize that you forgot a men's sport coat, they do have them available for loan in the cloakroom, and there are no exceptions. The sales manager was telling me that many celebrities show up and think that they'll go ahead and bend the rules from them, but it doesn't matter who you are. You must have a jacket and tie on as a man and must be dressed appropriately for high tea because it is the activity to do in central London. As we mentioned, the Ritz uh, built in, what, 1906? the first metal-framed building in London. And it is just, it's gorgeous. It is so well-appointed and so tastefully done. I, I really love the environment. Yeah, great location. I mean, you couldn't get a much better location right in the heart of Kensington and Piccadilly, overlooking Green Park. And as I was told, it's actually where the Queen Mum spends many of her birthdays. I got to tour the property and saw many of these beautiful rooms where she has personally selected to celebrate her birthdays. You know, I think the Queen actually gets a say in what she does. I loved her room as well. Oh, our room was beautiful. We were on the sixth floor in a recently renovated King Executive room, nicely appointed, and the bathroom was large, which surprised me for being in Europe, UK. And one of the things that I actually thought was the best, and I stay in a lot of luxury hotels, but these are probably some of the best bath towels that I've ever had. As Jim described them, they were very thirsty towels, and wow, they were fantastic. Yeah, it seems like sometimes you go into a hotel and you need like five towels just to dry off and you start with the big towel that doesn't do much and you work your way down and then finally you find yourself at the very end blotting with a washcloth. No, these towels were very absorbent and fantastic. I loved the marble bathroom. I just loved the view out the window. I loved the, the, the faux fireplace. I loved everything about the room. Something that's kind of funny is in this day and age, everybody, when you get a key, you don't actually get a key, as you know, you get a card. And you either have to put it in a slot or just wave the key. Uh, the Ritz has an actual key. It seems to be digital at some point, but it's a it's a key attached to a keychain with a mini bar key. And it is, it's heavy. Yeah, I would guess that key and keychain probably weighs on the uppers of a pound. But wow, you sure don't lose it. 
One of the things that I think is really great that the Ritz offers to all of its guests is they have what's called a handy, which is essentially a British cell phone. It's in every room and you can make phone calls, domestic, international, you could call your friends back at home. But what we used it for the most is it's totally Wi-Fi enabled and you can take it all over the city. You can use it for sightseeing. And we used ours whenever we needed Google Maps as a walking feature. It is fantastic. And I wish more um, luxury properties would offer that because we didn't have Wi-Fi while in the UK. So we were grabbing Wi-Fi. But here we just grabbed the handy and we could figure out which tube we wanted to take, where we wanted to walk to, where the next available sightseeing attraction was, all at our fingertips. And it was great. Yeah, it was really nice if you don't turn on your SIM card and use your uh, minutes while you're in Europe. If you don't want to do that, obviously Wi-Fi can be spotty. So to have this device to be able to use that for those purposes is really, it's really a nice feature. Um, so definitely utilize the handy if you can at the Ritz. So we we really enjoyed it. But uh, not only did we stay at the hotel, we got to uh, wander around the area. We went to the famous Harrods. Oh yeah, I was really excited for Jim to see Harrods because I think it's almost impossible to describe it. Because if you've been to Macy's in New York City, you you think you've seen a department store. You've not seen anything until you've seen Harrods. I cannot think of a single thing you can't buy at Harrods except for maybe like live animals. They have everything in everything, anything you could think of. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of different kinds of furnitures. And of course, my favorite thing is that Harrods world famous food hall, which I think is one of the originals and everybody's replicating right now. But the food there is ridiculously gorgeous. They had a uh, chicken area. They had a oyster and caviar area. But for me, when I walked by and I saw the bar that said the steakhouse, I was like, I'm sorry, but I've got to have a steak here at, at Harrods at this bar. And it was really quite easy. What it is, is it's about 15 stools literally around a bar. And you go up to the counter and they show you the different cuts of meat. And you order by, I believe it was the 100 grams. So minimum 200 grams for what Jim ordered. You can order sides. So of course I had macaroni and cheese and the world's greatest mashed potatoes. And you order your items. You belly up to the bar. You sit down and they make it right in front of you and bring your food. You order your beverage. And it's a really great experience. I wasn't sure if it was going to be all that it was hyped up to be, but it was well worth it. You walk up to the counter and behind the gentleman or the woman who's standing there helping you, uh, they have a miniature meat locker. So you choose, I chose a uh, Wagyu ribeye, and he walks over to the meat locker in our case, and he brings it out, puts it on a slab of paper, cuts approximately 200 grams, what I ordered, and puts it on a scale, weighs it, and then uh, sends it over behind the bar to the grill where they cook it in front of you. So it's all very visual. It's pretty amazing. Uh, we also had a side of oyster mushrooms, which were fantastic. Uh, and you're just sitting there at this bar, uh, in this food hall, enjoying a very nice cut of meat, a very nice steak with all of these other people. And you can see everyone else's dish being made. So you go, oh, what are you having? Oh, what are you having? How's that? And it's a really fun experience. It's a, it's a high-end steakhouse experience, but you're, you're in a food hall. Yeah, I hadn't seen anything like that. I'm used to food halls at home, which are more on the casual side. And I've been to some great ones, don't get me wrong. But this was definitely a high-end experience and very interactive. And it was fun to see them preparing it right in front of you. It's like sitting, literally sitting at a chef's table. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, that was 
that lived up to everything I wanted it to be. It was the absolute perfect experience. It did not disappoint at all. I loved going to the steakhouse at Harrods. If you haven't been to Harrods, it's sort of like Macy's in New York, I guess, but much more robust as far as the amount of merchandise and the design of the store. It's very opulent. Uh, you know, there's Art Deco. There's various different styles. As you walk around, you can buy furniture, obviously clothing and toys. Uh, so much, so much to look at, so much to browse. Every designer brand I think you can think of, and then some. There was a whole floor which was called Mini Designer, and I didn't know. I knew you could get Versace for kids, but there were probably another 40 other designer brands that I did not know had miniature versions. And, wow, looking at some of these price tags, that's not how I grew up. I didn't have a 400-pound jacket when I was three years old, but it was crazy. We were just kind of wandering around with our mouths agape. I didn't know there was a section where you could buy uh, champagne bottles signed by Jim Morrison. I mean, pretty much any brand you could think of, any luxury brand can be purchased at Harrods and no shortage of it. Yeah, they also had uh, bottles of champagne signed by Lenny Kravitz. I was like, oh, okay. I wasn't aware that he was, that was, that adds value to a bottle, but hey, if you enjoy that, have at it. Uh, because it's the holidays, it was decorated for, for Christmas and the holidays. And like, again, sort of like Miracle on 34th Street, it really kind of puts you in the holiday mood at Harrods. Definitely. The only thing that I was missing was when I was there a few years ago, they had the top floor, they had a variety of restaurants, and they had a Disney store or Disney restaurant, totally themed for Disney. And since then, they have removed it. So that was my only bummer, but I knew that coming in. But they do have other restaurants. They had a pizza restaurant, they had an ice cream parlor. Uh, they had a high tea. You could have that. They had a tea room. Uh, different floors have, I think they had a burger place. I didn't see it, but I saw a sign for it. So not just the food hall. On a few different floors, they have restaurants there as well. I think it's six or seven floors. You kind of get lost because there's so many different elevators and so many different escalators to go up that you're just kind of wandering around. I always wonder, how much do people really buy there versus looky-loos like us that don't really shop there but like to see everything? Granted, there are thousands of pieces of Harrods branded merchandise. So if you're looking for a Harrods shopping bag, a tote bag, a teddy bear, Pretty much if you want it branded Harrods, they sell it there. Christmas tree ornaments this time of year. So much stuff. Harrods, again, I'm sure you'll probably go there, but it's definitely worth your time. It's, it is big and it's overwhelming at times, but you got to love it. Yeah, and if you wander over from Harrods, as we did, go a few blocks over into the heart of Piccadilly, you go into the famous Regent Street. This is the heart of all of your shopping. You're going to find every international brand that you can think of, from H&M to the Disney Store to the world-famous Hamleys, which is what F.A.O. Schwartz in New York, I think, aspired to be. But this is a much older store. And again, six stories of childhood fun. Yeah, um, they have a whole area down below. You go down to the basement, and that's virtually all Harry Potter. Uh, and it's so fun to see Harry Potter uh, merchandise in London, where obviously so much of J.K. Rowling's inspiration came from. But they have got uh, Quidditch balls and Lego and uh, picture spots and just so uh, bathrobes and bags and so much Harry Potter-themed merchandise. 
Yeah, I mean, and then they have a whole section of it that's just Lego Harry Potter. So if you want to try the sorting add-on, you can. And with the recent movie that just came out, of course, that had a big focus, too. But we had a lot of fun in the Harry Potter section, but we worked our way up to the very top and worked our way down. I mean, they have an ice cream store at the top floor. It was pretty much everything and anything that you could think of toy-wise and probably sensory overload for kids. But one of the things they're really smart about is on every floor, they're demonstrating something. So it's kind of like Costco. <laughs> they were just demonstrating every toy out there or arts and crafts or uh, makeup for children. And so it really got you hands-on and made you more likely to buy. Yeah, I noticed that it was a very active toy store. Much of the merchandise is very engaging or you're outside playing with the toys or, uh, you know, you're interacting with other people. I didn't see many, if any, video games, things like that, that are popular with the kids. You know, lots of action figures, lots of cars, puzzles, uh, boomerang, frisbee-style discs, bubbles, uh, all kinds of things, cars, race cars, all very active toys as opposed to something more passive like a video game. And because it's Hamley's outside, they had the, uh, the elves dancing and singing and they weren't always the happiest elves which was very funny yeah they were kind of fun it was kind of what you would expect as if you were thinking kind of a snarky elf and they had a dance routine and of course we're there to pose for pictures which i did because that's how i roll <laughs> this was great um not only was hamley's uh, decorated for the holidays but all the decorations were starting to pop up around london and a recurring theme were the angels that were going across the roadways all over downtown london it was it was central London. It was very impressive and just, just gorgeous at times. Well, in each one of these little corridors, which they call arcades, has their own decorations. So we kept wandering down all these little alleyways, which are all high-end boutiques, and each one has a gorgeous set of decor, be it gold is their feature, or red, or silver. I mean, I could not stop taking pictures of them because they were all decorated, and then each individual store had its windows done. So I think probably half my photos are just of the different shopping arcades, not that I was buying anything, but I was so impressed with the decor. Yeah, I loved it. Again, if... I don't know. There's just some years where you need sort of a jump start into the holidays. Sometimes you're just in the mood for whatever reason. And other times you're just like, oh, I kind of need to prime the holiday pump. And going to London and seeing all of the lights and just sort of a different take and a different spin on the lights, maybe a little more elegant, a little more European, a little more classic, really put me in the mood for the holiday season. I loved all of the lights, different colors, lots of bright whites and blues, and just some gorgeous, gorgeous choices. And it's great because we saw both day and night. One of the evenings, we had purchased one of the big bus uh, 72-hour hop-on, hop-off passes. So we decided one evening to hop on right by the entrance of our hotel at Green Park. We were able to get on. And we rode the bus around to all the highlights for a good hour and a half. So that took us through all the holiday lights for the most part. We went down Regent Street. We were on the top deck, even though it was a little bit cold out. But we wanted to be on the top of the double-decker to get the best vantage point for photos. And I'm so glad we did because we went over Tower Bridge, we went by the London Eye, we really saw all the highlights. And the guide was great about pointing out like, take a picture now because you're going to get a great shot. And that was a lot of fun. So it's not only beautiful during the
the day, but it's gorgeous at night. Which bus? The big bus? Is that what it was? We did the big bus tour. There's a couple of different companies, but we did the big bus tour. It's very affordable. You can do one, two, or three days based on the hours. It also comes with uh, the Thames River Cruise admission, a walking tour. So it's a really great value. And I think for two of us for 17, for 72 hours, I think it costs some around $119 for two, which is an absolute steal when you consider that every time we got on the tube, even to go one or two stops, it was £4.90 each. So that bus tour ends up being great if you're not in a huge hurry to get to someplace, but you can get on and off anywhere on the route. And it has, I believe, four different bus routes to choose from. So you can see most of London if you really set your mind to it. There's a great app. It'll tell you when the next bus is coming. But we used it for that one evening and it was great. I think we were on from 4.30 to 7, I believe, and saw a heck of a lot of London at night. And it was great. Yeah. So there's really two ways to use the bus. You can use it as a tour bus and do the complete loop, which is what we did. And then you can also go back and use it for transportation because you know where you're getting off. So if you want to get off near the eye or you want to get off near the Tower of London or what have you, you can use it that way as well. Uh, one of the things we were able to do because we were at the Ritz, it's very walkable. We were just down the street from the original Hard Rock Cafe. Yeah, I had been there on my first trip to London in 1992, I believe it was. And I remember wanting to go there because it's the original. I never go to them anywhere else in the world. But I thought, if I'm in London, I want to see the original location. So this time, since we were so close, we made sure that we went back. It was convenient. And we just wanted to grab some dinner our first night in London. Yeah, um, I mean, we went because it's the original. But I guess, I don't know, I want to sound snooty. I mean, it's cool, but... It looks like kind of all the others, and I wanted it to still look original as opposed to homogenized like all the other hard rocks in the world. So I guess that was a tiny bit disappointing. It's not big, so it's very busy, very packed, very crowded at times, uh, and sometimes a little disorganized. But they give you your uh, your sensor that you that uh, you when you make reservations, and you can take it across the street to the shop. So if you want to go shopping, you can still know when your table's ready. So that's convenient. Yeah, I mean, it had your quintessential American menu. It was what it was. Like Jim said, it's small. It does have two stories to the restaurant, but it's very crowded. But it was convenient. It was a good way to kind of kick off the trip and to look at, you know, kind of the focus and being in England, of course, so much of the decor there and the bands was all very British. So that was kind of funny. We sat underneath, I think, a Billy Idol display, which, if I recall, I think he became an American citizen last week. Yeah, that's kind of funny <laughs> that we sat underneath a brand new American Billy Idol. Uh, the other thing we did, of course, you were in London, just sort of like going up the Empire State Building or the Space Needle in Seattle. Uh, we went, uh, we rode the London Eye. Yeah, I had done that before, four years ago when I was there, and it was on a crystal clear day. This time it was kind of rainy and overcast, so not as great of a view. Couldn't see as much because it was quite foggy. It was your classic foggy day in London. But I felt like, you know, it's something that Jim needed to do being on his first visit so he could see where things were. So we did the London Eye. It takes a while to go around. I do recommend if it's a busy day that you again pre-purchase the fast track tickets because you get to cut to the front of the line as we did. So you're not waiting in queue because if it's a busy day, say high season, you could be in queue for a good hour and a half to two hours. And we went on a foggy day, so there wasn't much to see. And when I asked someone about it, 
uh, someone on the big bus, they go, well, if it's foggy, you probably want to go at night to see the lights. And I totally get that. I mean, we were fine doing it. It, it was fine. But something to keep in mind that if, if you're there when it's relatively foggy, you might get a better, more spectacular view if you wait and do it at night so you can see the lights as opposed to uh, not as much visibility. Yeah, and we actually got there, and that time we decided to take the tube. So we took the tube from our station to Waterloo, and we walked over there, which about less than a 10-minute walk from Waterloo to the Eye. And being the holiday season, all of the Christmas markets are popping up. So there was a cute Christmas market at Waterloo, and we kept seeing different ones opening throughout the city. And these would have handcrafted items. They would have different carousel rides or... uh, carnival rides available they would have uh bars um you pretty much hot wine pretty much name what you would be looking for food and beverage wise and one of the dozens of christmas markets in the city are there to choose from okay one thing about the london eye so you were in this compartment with all of these other people and look i get it we were in a social world we're doing this podcast right now for crying out loud okay look if you want to call someone on your phone No speaker. If you want to FaceTime with someone, no, do not. I don't want to hear your conversation uh, throughout the entire pod. And guess what? Nobody else does either. There were so many people. It was just like, guess where I'm at? Yeah, we know. We know. Just, Just if you want to call them, just call them. If you want to put it up on your Facebook, do that so then we don't have to hear the conversation. If you want to live stream it that way so it's quiet, have at it. But don't dominate the whole the, the whole time and don't ruin the mood for everyone by making it your personal show because it is not your personal show. I'm sorry, but I'm just saying be considerate. Let everyone have their fun and have a good time, but you don't need to make it about you. Yeah, that was kind of annoying. It seems like every time we turned around, someone's phone was ringing or someone was calling someone. So you kind of were like, okay, well, now we've heard from... A- People all over the world while we're on this, but yeah. I mean, it was fun. I'm glad we did yeah, it. Glad we did. Jim needed to see it and to, <laughs> to see what it's like because yeah. it is different than so many of the other ones because it's a standing one. It's not like going on the Great Wheel in Seattle where it's, you know, it's a Ferris wheel that holds six. This pod could probably hold in, you know, 12 to 18 people if full. Oh, yeah. By the way, there's a four minute 4D movie or whatever. You could skip that. It's like a four minute commercial for the eye where they kind of show you like a kid's party and an Indian wedding. And obviously it's a commercial in the sense of trying to give you ideas for your next purchase of London Eye tickets. But I mean, it's there. It's not that exciting. It's you can skip that and get right to the London Eye. So let's get to the highlight for Carrie. We uh crossed the bridge and we took the tube and we went to the Hotel Kensington. Yes, this was in South Kensington. So we took the tra- we took the tube from Westminster to South Kensington, navigated our way there, no problem, and walked less than 10 minutes from this t- to the station to this cute little hotel called the Kensington Hotel for what I was looking forward to. And I would say I probably booked this six months in advance Tale as a hold old as time tea. So high tea with a Beauty and the Beast theme. And it's everything I wanted it to be. Now, when I heard about this, I thought it was going to be classic Beauty and the Beast. I didn't realize that this is licensed Disney, the 1990 cartoon Beauty and the Beast. 
It's called an animated movie, not a cartoon. Thank you very much. But yeah, this is a very beautiful tea room. It seats, I would probably say, less than 20 tables. Uh, we had a two o'clock seating and we walked in and it was everything that you would think of. Low chairs, very British in feel. And you sit down and you know, there's a red rose on the table and they, you know, take your tea order. They hand you the menu, and each co course relates to a part of the movie. So how does that work? Well, the first thing they bring is your appetizer. So they brought three different little ap uh, puff pastry appetizers, and each one related to something in the movie. So it was a cheese dish. It was a beef dish. It was a veal dish. Because if you listen to the words in the song, they reference that when Gaston is singing in the beginning of the movie. So did you try the gray stuff? It's delicious. Actually, it really kind of was. They mix the gray stuff with some cream. But when they bring out the actual tea service itself, it's a three-tier three tea tray. And it had a cookie Cogsworth. It had the gray stuff in a chip cup. It had baguette because, of course, at the beginning of the movie, Belle is running around the marketplace with baguettes in her baskets. And then they put down Lumiere, Cogsworth, and, of course, Mrs. Potts. She's sitting there, and they turn them to face you because you're having lunch with your friends. What was really funny is uh, one of our servers um, was telling us about everything. And instead of Cogsworth, it's like we called him Cogsworth the clock. And he was like kind of stammering. He goes, oh, here in, in, in France where I grew up, it's Big Ben. Over here in Europe, his name is Big Ben. So that was kind of funny. But I guess we, we learned. But uh, you know what I learned is I wasn't aware that you loved Beauty and the Beast as much as you do. How did I not know this? Oh, gosh, it's one of my favorites. I mean, I'm a little old for it, but I think it's because the kids that I used to babysit loved it. And so I watched it so much. I've seen the stage production of it. I've seen the movie more times than I can count. I knew all the words, but it was fun to look around the room and see other people that were enjoying it. And just so you know, Jim was not the only man there. So it's not like I drug him there. There were plenty of women that had their partners there with him that were enjoying themselves. And it was so fun. One of the neat things they had is they had a rose, which was a dessert. It was a rose in gelatin with gold leaf, and then they add cream to it. And it just looked like a sparkling rose, which was, of course, another nod to the movie. But there were so many nods. Everything on the plate had a nod to the movie. There was a coconut macaron, which was fantastic, and the top of it was supposed to be all snow because of the snow scene. And again, a reference to the movie. Every single thing had a, had a rhyme and reason to it, and it was so wonderful. So I would say highlight for me. Now, we were a little concerned maybe when we, when we finally were arriving that maybe this was all going to be little kids showing up. This this was going to be Chuck E. Cheese with tea. But no, there are certainly there were little kids there, but there were also adults. As a matter of fact, a woman and her partner who sat down next to us, uh, she opened everything up and didn't realize that she was at a Beauty and the Beast tea. So she was pleasantly surprised. So I think this is something for, for all ages. Yeah, it's 42 pounds, and it's well worth it because there are you know, tea sandwiches and desserts and just so many different things. You're full by the end. And, of course, as a traditional British high tea, you choose the kind of tea. They have a variety to choose from. We went with the darker tea. We preferred the English breakfast. And it was just great. I mean, it's just such a lovely feeling. The fires in the fireplace, and it's just a wonderful, you know, great way to spend an afternoon, especially because it was rainy outside, so it was warm and cozy. 
cozy, and I just kept thinking that I should be out there dancing with the beast. And that, again, is at the Hotel Kensington. The tale is old as time, T. Again, Hotel Kensington. It's a lovely, lovely boutique hotel. Yeah, I would highly recommend it. Great location, you know, really easy to access everything. Just a few minutes from Hyde Park, if you're choosing to walk. A few minutes from Victoria and Albert Hall. I mean, just less than an, um, less than a mile or a mile and a half to Piccadilly if you want to do walking. We finally ended up taking a cab by the end because it was raining after, you know, and we needed to get back because we had tickets to the theater. You know, we had uh, tea <coughs> breakfast earlier this morning, and uh, someone next to us was complaining about the weather that they would never come back this time of year. And I'll tell you, I mean, no, it is not warm. And as long as you're packed correctly, we were bundled up. We had hats, we had gloves, we had scarves, we had sweaters, we had jackets and everything. And yeah, no, it's not a warm vacation, but with all the lights and everything, it was fantastic. Uh, that night, as she mentioned, we went to the theater. We saw Book of Mormon, which is hilarious. Uh, if you are easily offended, probably probably not your choice. <clears throat> but it's you know it's by the guys who do South Park, and they're not known for for being very. Uh uh, what's the right word? They're known for offending, I guess. We'll just say that. So be be used to that. But it's, it's very well done. It's it's very funny. And we loved walking through and seeing all of the different uh, theaters. And plus, there was yet another Christmas, uh, Christmas market. Yeah, Leicester Square had a Christmas market. So again, needed to go through. So I think we ended up seeing at least three Christmas markets while we were in London. But there's dozens more. But that was fun because... Uh, it was a 10-minute walk from our hotel to Piccadilly to where we were seeing the theater, and we went to dinner based on a recommendation from one of your friends. Bradley Craig, who <laughs> lives in Aberdeen, Scotland, he was saying that we need to go to Camden, and we didn't make it to Camden, but we will one of these days. But his suggestion for fish and chips, because when you're in London, of course, it's known for fish and chips, and we're in Seattle, so we're we're not exactly a slouch in that area, but we went to a place called Poppy's. And uh, it's a smaller chain. It's got a few in around London, but oh my gosh, what a great suggestion. Thank you, Bradley. It was, I loved it. I thought it was delicious. Maybe the best fish and chips I'd ever had. Yeah, I liked them because they were really light. We actually shared a platter, which I'm glad we did because the servings were huge and it was perfect for two. And it's one of those that I can't even tell what the decor is supposed to be because it was random 1970s and 80s actors' pictures on the wall. It was kind of a mishmash of decor. The front had a DJ booth, so I'm not sure what it was supposed to be, but when it opened in the early 50s, it sounds like it's got quite the history, almost like a silly kind of Studio 54. There used to be live music there, but it's fantastic and just a great place for an easy, casual dinner. Yeah, I'm not sure it ties to a particular decade anymore. There were posters up from the 50s and 60s, and he's meant a lot of uh, classic artists up on the wall with autographs, but kitschy is definitely the theme, although it seemed to kind of uh, correspond with many different decades, but the fish, rather than a beer batter it's more of a panko with a lighter crust a thinner a crispier crust and lets kind of the fish be forward which i prefer i don't really like the doughy beer battered um fish and chips i find those to be heavy but the, no the fish was fantastic a huge meaty piece of fish very flavorful uh the chips were uh, sort of steak fry like which you enjoy and then uh i think another star of the plate 
was the tartar sauce. The tartar sauce was again very light, and rather than being very heavy on dill or very heavy may a very heavy mayo taste, again you know it's tartar sauce, so it's mayonnaise based, but it had a very light flavor, and I enjoyed that. Yeah, that was probably the highlight. We ordered actually more of the tartar sauce because it was so good, and then you ordered their house beer, the ale. We had a pint, and that was really great, paired well with the uh, fish and chips. And I don't think that dinner was twenty five pounds at the most, and that was with sharing. But granted, I don't know how one person could eat a whole platter because that was a large portion. Yeah, they have a regular portion, but the the full size, yeah, it was huge. You'd have to be a very big eater, very hungry to, to have that. But no, the, the beer was crisp. Uh, I think we had the pop the poppies lager, but obviously a lot of tradition there. But yeah, poppies is fantastic. It's not a pub feel at all. So if you want like a a pub feel fish and chips, maybe somewhere else. But if you want a great meal, a lot of energy and kitsch, uh, poppies, the, the food was excellent. Can't recommend that enough. Yeah. And it was just a five minute walk from the theater. So we got out of our uh, dinner and had some time. So we wandered through the Christmas markets. We actually wandered through, I think, their version of Chinatown, which was kind of fun and just took some pictures. It was just fun to get the energy and the vibe of everything right there in Piccadilly. And it was so much fun on a Friday night. Yeah. I love the lights when you go into uh, Piccadilly, the proper, you know, there's like a big screen. It's sort of like a mini Times Square, but I preferred more of the classic lights and the classic European look versus another giant screen, which you can pretty much see anywhere. Yeah, and there are a lot of things much like Times Square that are in Piccadilly. I mean, there's a TGI Fridays, there's the Body Wars thing. It's just a lot of the stuff that you would see in New York City, a lot of American brands. But if you go a few blocks off of it, then you're going to get the more quintessentially British brands. But there's so much to see, and it's just kind of fun. And, and again, the holiday lights right there on Regent Street, because Regent Street runs in the middle of Piccadilly Circus, it's great to see. And maybe for great photo opportunities. Yeah, all in all, I think if you dress warm and be prepared, it's a lovely time to come for Christmas to see the arcades all dressed up, to see the shop windows, everything. It's just it's just a beautiful classic Christmas feel. Or if you're just from the Pacific Northwest like we are, it felt like another day in Seattle. The only difference is I actually used an umbrella here, which I never use at home, but we were ready for it. We'd been watching the weather forecast, so it was no big shock to us. Yeah, so uh, it's not a warm weather vacation. As long as you are prepared for that, I think it's a nice jump start to the, the holidays to come to this time, see all the shops and all of the different lights and displays. And it's just a, a fun twist on Christmas. Some of it modern, some of it more classic European, but I loved it. Yeah, I mean, it, the only thing we felt like we missed was that the Ritz was getting ready to do their holiday decorations on, uh, I guess it was Friday, and we were already leaving at that time period, so we didn't miss it. I did post on to our Facebook page, though, their whole reenactment and their video of them decorating the hotel because it looks absolutely stunning. So if you do happen to be there um, later in the season, you could see the Ritz decorated to the nines for the holidays. Yeah, so be sure to uh, pack something a little bit, maybe a nice change of clothes you could do proper tea somewhere and uh, make sure you pack some nice shoes as opposed to just trainers so you can have access to everything and fully enjoy everything that london has to offer but again i think it's i think it's a great way to uh, get in the christmas spirit a great way to uh, just sort of enjoy the holidays yeah highly recommend get you in the spirit get your holiday shopping started and we did some of that as well and then where are we headed next we are off to Paris, 
And uh, we're off to uh, my family home, apparently, Marne-la-Vallée, believe it or not. It's not 100% proven, but they believe that is uh, where the family started. So we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about the uh, Disneyland Paris Resort with Disneyland Paris Park, uh, the Walt Disney Studios Park, and the famous Disneyland Hotel. Well, then we better get going because we have a Eurostar to check. Uh, be sure to follow us on Facebook at The Best Trip Ever and also on Twitter at The Best Trip Ever. If you can share this, if you enjoy it, please let people know so we can enjoy the podcast and we can help. Uh, it can help us uh, grow. We'd really, really like that. But until next time, be sure to check out London and uh, some of these arrangements can be part of your best trip ever.